Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the outdoors or your houseplants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Every Saturday, we get together to discuss your yard, your landscape, garden, houseplants, potting mixes, growing things in pots, you know, in the ground, pruning, bugs, diseases, plant removal, and everything else, transplanting, and making the best choices. But uh, you know, my, remember my words, just open opportunities. After that, it's going to take physical and mental effort on your part during this great marathon we call Growing Plants. It's never going to be a sprint. Or usually if it's a sprint, it's, uh, it's, very, it's over very quickly, and then the aesthetics are over very quickly too. This is your show, and I appreciate you being here. Thanks to Matt. He's producing it today. He's been here for the last couple Saturdays, so apparently he really likes gardening. I guess that's why he's doing this. <laughs> anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Written five gardening books, two are currently available in various locations. Also, I've written articles for Missouri Gardener Magazine, and the first issue that has my article in it is the May-June issue, and that's out right now. So during the week, I do something I call landscape consulting, a walk and talk. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage, that's where you can get my email address or a phone number. I've kind of <laughs> gone back and forth a couple different times. And uh, that's where I can be reached, though, with, uh, you know, try to set up something. So today I'm going to go to South City off of uh, Hampton, Childress, and all those kind of neighborhoods, Jameson, down in that part. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I kept thinking, where am I going to walk, you know, this morning? It was really pouring during my Good Gardening Stroll time. So I thought, maybe I should go someplace that has a roof on it or something, World's Fair Pavilion. I thought, nah, I'm going to go to Keener Plaza. And just by chance, Keener Plaza opened yesterday. The grand opening, I don't know how long it's taken to do this renovation, but wow, what a renovation. It's brand new. It has rolling grassy hills, duetta fountains, playground equipment, and a long chestnut. They're using bald cypress for street trees. There's a granite sidewalk all over the place, and low-piped fencing keeps people out of the planting beds, which is very smart because those are the kind of areas where people keep cutting through and cutting through and cutting through. And... Um, all new. It's just, I mean, it really, really looks good. Now, I'm riding this because it's pouring rain, and I'm sitting in my car. So I think, okay, now i got to get out because i got kind of the, the rough stuff, you know, rough features or whatever done. And uh, 
So I get out, then take my, you know, I have a clipboard and a pen, a pen. That's how I take my good gardening stroll notes. So I just thought I'd walk around and see what's going on out here so I can get a better, you know, better closer look. But the benches they have in there sweep around these giant curves on this walkway. And the benches are part of the sort of the restriction to keep people, you know, or kind of stop people from going uh, through the beds. But uh, boy, oh boy, what a neat thing this whole thing is. I had no idea. And on the east side, the classic St. Louis scene, the old courthouse plus the arch. Now, some of the plants I saw during the downpour uh, was, well, first of all, I saw the running man. So that fountain has stayed. That's the one where the guy's actually running. It's a great fountain. I didn't know what they were going to do with that. I don't even know if it's been moved. I I don't think it is, but with the new configuration, it's kind of hard for me to remember exactly where it was. But that's about the only thing that remains you know, from way back when. There's a great playground there on the south side. I mean, like ultra, ultra playground. And the, the cushion mat underneath all the playground equipment, bright colors. So that really adds a nice touch over there. Uh, things you're going to see, you're going to see plumbago, a type of ground cover. You're going to see oak leaf hydrangeas. You're going to see sweet spire. Both those two are in bloom. There's some kusa dogwood. Kusa dogwood is a Chinese version of the dogwood that we have, except the petals, the white petals, are pointed as opposed to roundish, and it blooms a couple weeks later after the dogwood. So if you really love dogwoods and you want to have an extended bloom period with dogwoods, get some of the hybrids of the native one, and then get the Kusa dogwood, Cornus Kusa, and that way you can extend it. Milky Way is a very good variety of the Cornus Kusa. There's shrub holly, there's hasa, there's still be liriope, and uh, all kinds of other things, curving and sweeping. There's a lot of red buds in there, so I was really surprised. Some of the trees I didn't really look that closely at because when it's raining, you have to look up at the trees to see the leaves to figure out what it is. My face was getting wet, my hair was getting wet, and everything else. And, uh, you know, one thing, though, you can come down today. Like I said, yesterday was an official grand opening. But they have parking meters, the kind, without putting money in it. And uh, that has the number on it. It tells you to go back to this pay station and put your money into the pay station and then punch the number of your meter, metered spot in. But guess what? It's still wrapped and says, sorry for the inconvenience. It's not open. So you, can, you don't have to pay. So uh, just really, there's some circuit marble circular beds around some of the planting spaces. These are benches, the marble. It's like, wow, where did they get this kind of stuff? But anyway, it was just a great day to wander around in Keener Plaza the second day after the grand opening. And uh, I can't wait to get back when it is not raining so hard so I can take a look at this stuff a little bit closer. Mike Miller. KMOS Garden Hotline back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Over the last couple weeks, uh, some people have called in and said there's something rutting around in their yard and everything else. And I've had uh, two different people. One guy, I think he called in. Somebody called and left a message and then sent me an email they're thinking it might be armadillos. So armadillos are migrating north. By coincidence, speaking of armadillos, Trace and I went to, down to St. Mary's, the Antique Mall, last Sunday. And on the way back from there, now that's past St. Genevieve. It's not greatly past, but it is a little bit past. 
we saw two or three dead armadillos along the side of the road. So these armadillos are getting closer. I spent part of my time in the Air Force in Shreveport, Louisiana, at Barksdale. <laughs> you talk about armadillo country. Wow. But anyway, so the armadillos are migrating, and a couple people that called to say that maybe what's running their yards is armadillos, not skunks like my suggestion was. So who knows? Just keep your eyes out for an armadillo. And don't approach it because they're very, very dangerous. Anyway, let's go to Gloria, and Gloria lives in St. Louis. Hi, Gloria. Yeah, hello. Yes, hello. Um, good morning. How you doing? Very good. I bought some target grass because my grass just don't do nothing. It just stays brown, and I rake it all up, and it still looks like it's maybe disease. I want to know what is the right way for me to plant this target grass, and I want to know, do I have to dig it all the way up to dirt? You, you basically, unless you just want to waste your money with buying sod or plugs or whatever it happens to be, you're going to have to improve your soil with compost or something like that before you put any kind of new sod down from the way it sounds. So if you don't do that, you're just going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to be doing the same thing over Well, I've already and, done that. So you've already improved your soil. Not the whole yard, just the bad spots. Okay, so you can then all you really need to do is if you have the sod is rake the area a little bit. And they just go out and lay the side and make it so it's slightly higher than the surrounding ground because there is going to be a little settling. But you're going to have to, you know, turn that. You've already turned the soil over, so everything should be fine. Once you lay the piece of sod or the plug down, then just kind of walk on it gently to make sure that the root system is in good contact with your improved soil, and then you should be fine. Now, if you've got large trees or things like that, you're not going to have success with this. But if you've got sunny locations, because that's what Zoiza wants, then you should be fine. So I have to dig all the old dirt up, old you, grass up. You don't. Uh, you just you can turn it over and add this. You know, you're saying you already are you going to add organic matter to this? You can just turn this stuff over with, and then add the new stuff to it. So you don't necessarily have oh. to dig it up. Oh, okay. So I already put compost on it uh, last week. Okay. You know? So now you have to shovel that in. You can't just put the new sod on top of the compost. I have to do what now? Now, you have to shovel the compost into the ground. Oh, shovel Push it down in there? Yeah, you have to dig it in with a shovel. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And then put it on top. Right, and then lay the side on top. Okay, then thank you very much. Yep. Thank you, Gloria. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Like I said, the rain has really been, thank goodness it came. And I had actually watered my yard last Wednesday because I knew it was getting so dry. So consequently, my yard had been softened. If your yard was really dry and it rains, you know, really super hard, a lot of it just runs off so it doesn't soak into the ground, into the root systems. So... That's, I mean, it's not really all that much benefit. You can say, well, we had two inches of rain, we had an inch of rain, or it doesn't, you know, that's not really all that important. Renovation on your Zoiza lawn, you got to take a look at that. If you're going to do anything at all, this is the time to get it done before the weather gets really hot. Even though it's a warm season grass, you want to get it in place, you want to get your soil improved, and then you want to get your Zoiza, Zoiza in. And this is the time of year when you want to do some fertilizing, too, on your Zoiza. No more fertilizing on your fescues or bluegrasses because you don't want to force any kind of growth while the weather is getting warmer and warmer and warmer. 
But the zoysia, you're going to feed basically May, June, July, August, and then in early September, that's going to be your last feeding for your warm season lawns like zoysia. Let's go right now to Jim, and Jim is in Florissant. Hi, Jim. Hi there. Good morning. Hi. I, I'm calling about gall. I believe it's called gall on my oak trees. Uh-huh. Um, it's, I think it's starting, but I want I, I heard that it can kill the tree. No, it really doesn't kill the tree. It kills it possibly aesthetically, but it does not kill the tree. The only time it kills a tree is once you get so many galls on branches, it causes fractures or cracks in the limbs, and then water runs in, you get heartwood rot. But galls in and of themselves do not kill a tree. Okay. Should I be concerned? Should I try to uh, get rid of the gall at this point? (laughs) Good luck. It's, okay. it's very difficult. What it is is a very small wasp. And generally, okay. you know, once they get started on a tree, they kind of stay in that little neighborhood. And then when the females, you know, want to lay eggs again, they're going to probably lay them back into the same tree. That's why some trees are just inundated with them and other ones don't have it at all. Treatment-wise, okay. I mean, you can do injection systems and things like that, but most of it doesn't work. When the female lays the eggs, once the eggs hatch, this bloating, this gall, is virtually a protection mechanism for them. So then they emerge out of that and then become, like when I say these are wasps, they're not the classic-looking wasp by any means or what we think of as wasp. And there's not really too much you can do, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, that answers my question. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And mainly it's going to be the red oaks versus the white oaks and some of the other oaks that are going to be impacted by the galls more so than anything else. Now, also, if you're talking about the round ball on the twigs, yes. But also there's you know galls that cause problems with rolling leaves and things like that. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. Now let's go from Florissant down to Peevely and into John's yard. Hi, John. Mike, how are you doing? Very good. I had a question about uh, moles. I had somebody tell me that I have cricket moles on my front yard and side yard. Can you tell me anything about them? I have a lot of zoysia and Bermuda grass, and they said that they thrive on the roots of that, and I've never heard of that before. But uh, I have these little mud things I see when I cut the grass, and I pick them up, and they have, like, holes in them, like an insect in these little hunks of mud. Right. Do you know anything about cricket moles? I don't know. That has nothing to do with cricket What you're seeing that is from the earthworms. Those uh-huh. little things that look like tiny volcanoes with a hole in the center. Right, right, okay. So okay. that has nothing to do with moles. Cricket moles, I don't know anything about cricket moles, to be honest. Oh, okay. I don't know how they're different than a regular mole. Moles really do not eat, you know, maybe this is, you know, something that I need to do a little bit more research on. But the classic mole does not eat, or eats very little root systems. They're carnivores. Yeah, they this, want meat. This is supposed to be different than the classic moles and voles. They don't dig, this, this gentleman told me they don't dig deep holes, but they do love the roots of turf grass. And he says they're more like an insect than a regular mole or a vole. Oh, oh crazy. Oh, I see what you're saying. This is a type of cricket. Well, he called it a cricket mole. And uh, he said there's only a couple places in St. Louis where I can get some stuff to um, treat them. And uh, unfortunately, I don't want to say the name of the places on the air unless you want me to, but they said they're out of the treatment stuff right now. They'll be getting stuff in in about another month or so. Well, if you have access to the Internet, I bet if you go, uh, he's talking about a cricket mole. It's a cricket with a name like mole. So, in other words, it's tunneling. So, yes, it's an insect. It's not a classic mammal. Uh-huh. So, 
I mean, I don't know why a classic insecticide that you'd put on this, you know, on your lawn area wouldn't work. That is something okay. would, you know, so, I mean, go online and take a look at that. It's cricket mole, but it's not a mole that's, you know, has a name, first name like cricket. It's okay. a, it's okay. a cricket that has a last name as mole. So in other words, gotcha. they kind of tunnel along and they, they can do damage to root systems of lawn. Okay. And I heard you talking about armadillos a while ago. I got a comment on the armadillos. Uh-huh. Uh, out here in Peebley and Barnhart and Imperial, on the outer road of 55, which I live off of, I mean, any day I'll see five or six dead armadillos. Wow. But I, I've never seen a live one. I've lived out here for over three years. I've never seen one cross, and they're always dead <laughs> in, on the side or middle of the road. Um, I've just never seen a one, one alive before. So, so uh, I, I think they're probably more active, like, a very early in the morning or later in the evening. That's what I'm thinking, Mike. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. Well, thank you. Have a good day. Thanks yep. for taking my call. Sure. And, again, it's crickets. that or The last name is Mole, not a mole that's called a cricket. But, anyway, so now let's go to – oh, maybe we better take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the Garden Hotline. At least that's what I think. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Collinsville is where we're headed, and that's where Cindy lives. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I had a 70- to 80-foot tulip tree taken down last yeah, it's probably 30 years old or, or so. Now I have this huge mound of uh, stump grindings where right. they ground out the stump, and I'm wondering, do I just leave it like that, or what can be done? It's rather unsightly looking. <laughs> well, you can get rid of that stuff, you know, if you want to. You can leave it there if you want to. But that realize that area, you're not going to really be able to grow anything for several years. So even okay. if you even if you get the stump grindings out and put new soil in or anything, nothing's going to grow there. So it's going to be end up being a place where you might put a bird bath, you might put a you know gazing ball or something like that, something non-growing because it's going to take a couple years for this to implode entirely, where the root system of the tulip tree is no longer going to be aggressive and absorbing things. But uh, I would say get the you know stump grindings out. You know, and just because they take a long time to break down. And if you want to just put some regular, let's say, mulch from a, a mulch place, even though you think, well, wood is wood. Now it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a little bit better if you don't just leave the wood shavings there, or stump oh, grinding. But with dirt, some people have said, well, just dig that out and put it in dirt and grass seed, and that would be pointless, you're saying? That, that would be, be pointless. pointless. Okay. What type of mulch? Any particular kind? No, it's up to you. You know, like I said, just make it something decorative. If you if you want to use an organic mulch, you know, like a shredded cedar or whatever it happens to be, or if you want to use a rock mulch, it's really up to you. But uh, like I said, it's going to take several years before this root system of this tulip tree finally implodes entirely. And basically right there at the, you know, where the major trunk was, that is, it's big, you know, go out there, let's say with a shovel or whatever you want to do and just dig down and see how far you can go before you just hit solid wood. So you're basically trying to grow something on solid wood. And yes, you can put dirt out there. The seed will germinate, but the seed will not survive. Okay. And sod will do the same thing. But it would be best to just take out the wood chips. Yeah. Rather than leave them there. Right. Right. 
Okay, and fill it with mulch. Yeah, just put regular mulch over it. Make a, you know, you can make an organic bed, you can make a round bed, whatever you want, and just go kind of beyond where the stump grindings are, you know, a foot or so, and just make it, you know, yard ornaments or whatever you choose. All right, thanks so much, Mike. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, that whole idea of just throwing dirt down and trying to grow grass, you know how difficult it is to grow grass here. So when you're trying to grow grass on wood, so in other words, you've got boards underneath the ground and you're trying, yes, it may be a couple inches because you put some soil on top of that. And it's just it, the root systems of nothing. It's not just lawn. I'm talking about other trees or anything else cannot penetrate where that trunk actually was. We're going to stay in Illinois and go down to Belleville and over to Bill. Hi, Bills. Hi, Mr. Miller. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. And I just got a uh, couple of uh, questions for you. One is my knockout roses. Uh, I have about 14. They're very, very nice. And my question is, when these uh, roses, the uh, roses that are on there now, when they get kind of uh, ready to fall off or whatever, or wilt, or how do you pull those off? Do you just pull the uh, buds off and so forth? I mean, not the buds, but the uh, flowers off and uh, get rid of them? Or do you clip part of it off? Or how do you do that? So I have another rose come up. Yeah, basically with the knockout roses, some people don't prune the dead flowers off at all. And they just say everything's fine. They fertilize, you know, with the rose food every month like they're supposed to. And they don't bother with it. But personally, I have four knockout roses myself. And when the petals start falling, I go out there and you can see the stem where the actually rose was. It's only about two or three inches long at the most. And usually the knockout roses are in clusters of like three or so. I use, a you know, a small pruner and I just cut all those stems off at that point. And then, you know, from there, you can expect the new buds to start forming and pushing out from that. So just uh, just uh, snip that off. Yeah, don't try to pull it because you could, be, you know, first of all, it's, you know, you could do some damage to the rose. And, you know, it's a lot of work to pull when you can just use something to go and get rid of it. Yeah, I thought maybe at, under those roses there was another bud that was going to try to come out. No, not exactly at that spot, a little bit further down on the stem. But where the rose, roses that are in bloom now, where they came out from, the next series of rose flowers is going to come out on that, you know, the stem that's closer down, you know, to the, I don't want to say to the ground, but lower in. It's not going to come off right at that exact same point where these flowers were. Okay, very good. Uh, I will do that. And also I have uh, some leaves on those roses that have a little holes in them. Not much, but I've been spraying those with uh, some Bayer insect uh, and mite control. And it uh, says uh, it kills uh, spider mites, uh, Japanese beetles, and other uh, listed pests. So... Uh, I, I've sprayed it, and I haven't seen any more holes, so I guess it works. Right. Well, those holes were—I have some on my, you know, my roses, too. Those holes were caused by insects that are no longer there. And the insecticides that you're using, they're great, but the insecticides have to be, you know, you have to virtually spray it on the bug, or else it's not going to do any good at all. So, in other words, they're contact killers. If you want to try something, get a systemic type insecticide. So, in other words, that's one you're going to mix in water. You're going to pour it around on the root system. It gum, comes up 
through the entire root system, through all the stems and out to the leaves. And the insecticide is on the inside of your plant. So then if something does feed, it will kill it that way. But the traditional type insecticides, they're contact killers. And if it doesn't hit the insect, then it's really not going to do too much good. But the fact that you're not seeing any new holes is because the insect that did those holes is now already morphed. It was a small caterpillar morphed into something else. And it's an adult flying around. Okay, very good. Thank you. Next question, quick one. Uh, my daffodils, they are, uh, I think, about done. Of course, not blooming anymore. Right. Uh, they're bent over. However, they're not brown. When is the time for me to clip those off at the ground? Basically, if they're bent over, then they're probably not going to do too much more anyway, so you can go ahead and prune them. If you want to leave them until they start turning a little bit more brown, you could certainly do that. But, when, you know, the foliage that's bent, it's not really going to help, you know, build up the bulb for next year. Okay. All right. Uh, so I can uh, clip those off now, I guess. Yes, right. Okay, thank you, Mr. Miller. I enjoy your show. Thanks for taking my call. Well, sure, and thanks for having me on your show. Let's see if we can get another call before break. Chris is in South uh, County. Hi, Chris. Show. Thanks for taking my call. Well, sure, and thanks for having me on your show. Let's see if we can get another call before break. Chris hey. is in South County. Hey, Chris, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, I have a question about uh, Norwegian maple. Um, it's about a 25 to 30-year-old tree. And for the last three years or so, it's been just dropping its leaves. And they're not dead. They're still green, like they're dropping right now. Right. Just wondering if, what that problem might be. Norwegian maples don't like our area, basically what is. And so it's probably, you know, the root system, the weather, and everything else has just caused it to wreak ha- it's wreaking havoc with it. So there are some, you know, that are very nice, but it's not the best maple for here. So it's dropping leaves because... It's the root system's been diminished or reduced. So in other words, either through rain, through drought, through all this other crazy weather stuff. And then consequently, the tree can't afford to support all the leaves. And so it's dropping green leaves. I have a sugar maple as a street tree. I have three of them, but one of them's doing that very same thing. It's just because the root system is not big enough, viable enough to support all the leaves. And that's kind of, you know, what you're stuck with. Okay, what are you asking? Um, is it is it a, a, a sign of uh, the end of the tree? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's not to okay. say, I mean, if you look up in the tree and you look and it looks thin, much thinner than what it has in the past, that means there's not enough leaves there. And, you know, the whole thing is they're tied together. Nutrients yeah. and moisture come up from the root system and then send it up to the leaves. The leaves use sunlight with that nutrients and moisture to make food, and then it shares with all the entire tree, roots, trunk, you know, buds, and everything else. So if there's not enough leaves, there's not enough roots, it's just a slow decline on both ends. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to have the tree taken out. You can wait until it you know, virtually has no leaves, and maybe it'll recover. The chances of it is probably going to be pretty limited. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed to Webster Groves and into Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. All right. Uh, got a big question for you. Uh, I have bulbs, and I'm trying to figure out what I need to put on them to get the bulbs to get bigger. Because over years, they keep getting smaller. I've got some voodoo lilies, and 
they never the bulbs never get big enough for their, for the plant to flower, but they keep forming these little bulbs around the the biggest bulb that's in there. Right. But they never get big enough, and I have the same problem with amaryllis uh, bulbs. They they get littler all the time, but what do I need to put on them? I do put some fertilizer on them, but apparently I'm not putting the right stuff on. What type of fertilizer are you using? Well, uh, this year I've went to just general purpose fertilizer. In the past, I have used organic fertilizer, and they just just don't grow. Now, when are you when are you actually fertilizing? Uh, I've started now with my amaryllis. Uh, they have um, they're in flower now, and I just started putting a little fertilizer in with them right uh with my uh voodoo lilies they're not actually up yet but i repotted them and somebody recommended a a potting mix for bulbs which is 40 percent sand 40 percent uh peat and 20 percent compost and i put them in that and the bulbs seem to be swelling a little bit, but they're not shooting up their leaves yet. And I have added to that a little uh, oyster shell to give them calcium, and I've added a little uh, um, chicken manure so that when they do start, hopefully they're starting, well, they're starting to grow now, and they're starting to swell, getting ready to shoot up their leaves, right. but... Uh, as soon as, it's basically, it doesn't matter the type of fertilizer, the other things you're adding is not going to make that much difference. The, you know, the fertilizing, the potting mix is fine, that just ensures you're having good drainage, but if, yours, if your bulbs are not riling, you don't necessarily have to worry about the drainage of whatever potting mix you happen to use. But you got to start fertilizing them as soon as you see the foliage, and keep fertilizing all the way up until... You know, like with the amaryllis, you cut the foliage off six or seven months from now, and that's, well, not that long, but, you know, several months from now. And then you just let them sit and go totally dormant, no water, no nothing, and then that's right. when the flower, you know, comes shooting up. So you just, Mine always come up late, but yeah. they do come up with the flowers. And when I have amaryllis, I've done it two different ways. What Sometimes I have not cut the foliage. I just... Because I was always under the assumption that when the foliage starts dying down, it puts energy back in the bulb. No, not when it's dying, only when it's up and rigid. That's when okay. it puts it back into the bulb. Once it okay, starts turning brown, do. it's useless. Well, last year I just cut it off and, and uh, you know, cut them off just after I... Uh, started the drying process right. on them. So basically, you just got to you know fertilize routinely about every three weeks or so from as soon as you see the foliage all the way until you cut the foliage off or until the foliage turns brown. And that's about the best thing you can do. Put them in full sun in a bright, bright window unless you sit them outside. Then make sure they get plenty of light when they're outside. And that's about all you can do. Okay. Uh, I have also called you about my elephant ears. This year, they came up... Uh, Either the last April, uh, April, March, the end of March or the first of uh, April, right. I saw them starting to pop through the ground. Mine elephant ears are just now starting to sprout right now. So, I mean, the last, last you, week you or so. Think, 
but you dig your bulbs. I don't. Yeah, well, that does you know, that doesn't really matter. It's, you know, it's all related to soil temperature, so there's nothing you can do. Some years it's going to be a little bit different than others as far as when they push, you know, push out their growth. So thanks, Ron. And now let's go to Linda in Oakville. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. I'm glad I got on. I have two azaleas that are kind of older in the front landscaping, and this is the first year we've had a problem with them. They're sitting there now. They bloomed beautifully. Mm-hmm. But And I fed them already twice with specific azalea food, miracle Grow okay. azalea food. And they're not, they don't have enough leaf to push off those old blooms. They're just sitting there. There's more leaves at the bottom than there is, you know, where those blooms are. Right. They're just not leafing out. So is there anything that I can do? Should I cut those buds off? Should I just leave them go and see if something happens? Or do you think they're done for? Well, where the buds yeah. are... And the leaf, where a leaf bud would be, they're two totally different things. So in other words, a flower bud and a leaf bud is completely different. So as long as you're fertilizing, the fact that the flowers haven't fallen off yet, there's not really too much you can do about that. I wouldn't, it's a lot of work, you know, an unnecessary work to go out there and try to pull the flower buds off because it's not going to make any difference. If they look thin, it could just be because they're getting older and there's not too much you can do about that either. You can't send, you know, sort of put them in a you know, time machine and send them back where they're going to be thicker and fuller. So it's just a, a matter of the process, the particular variety, as much as anything else. So okay. you're doing everything just right. So I would just leave them alone. You know, you don't really have okay. to do anything. If, if the foliage is not really thick on the top, there's maybe you can do some pruning. If you're going to do any pruning on any spring flowering thing, get it done before the end of this month as soon as you possibly can to make the growth you know, more dense. You know, and the plant will be smaller, of course, but that's about probably the only thing you really need to do. Okay, thank you. Sure. And uh, let's see, can Diana do it very quickly? Diana from Creve Core. I have a couple of quick questions. I have like a two, I think it's a tulip tree. Okay. And it's totally on the ground, uh, all the bottom branches. Do I need to trim those branches off of the, that are hitting the grass? No, you don't. If somebody, if you don't worry about cutting underneath it, limbing a tree up doesn't really help it at all. Okay, and then I need to find out when I need to prune some overgrown azaleas and rhododendrons. Basically now. This is the time to get it done, so as soon as you can possibly do it. And last but not least, my iris didn't bloom this year. If your iris didn't bloom, that means they're getting old and you're never going to get flowers off of them again. They're not that old. <laughs> well, as long as the foliage looks healthy, if they didn't flower, that means something is, you know, you know. usually it's an age factor. So anyway, sorry, Diana, we got to go. Okay. We got to, you know, got to go to the news. So anybody has any questions, you know where to call. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.